Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. <laughs> Welcome to the post-cold edition of the MASH Matters podcast. You, you know, it's funny you don't look Flemish, but to say the least, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I have been rather uh, goopy and snotty. And, and it's why we love you, you know? Goopy and snotty. They were an old vaudeville team, weren't they? They're a law firm, an entertainment law firm in <laughs> Beverly Hills. <laughs> I can't afford them. And they're too goopy and snotty, actually, for me. Oh, horrible people. But uh, we feel bad. Everyone listening, poor Ryan is suffering from uh, whatever he's suffering from that's making all the mucus run down his face and stuff. And try not to get it on the microphone. I will try. I don't think it's contagious. Good. No, last week my son was sick with this and he uh, coughed in my face at least three times that I know of. So, oh. <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to take a drink. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I think I'll take a drink. <laughs> hey, everybody out there, why don't you go take a drink while we're taking a drink? <laughs> so this is this episode has started really brilliantly. I mean, a lot of them, I don't know if it's this good, but this is good. <laughs> <laughs> this is a mash unit. <laughs> it is. You need it to is. get your lungs checked. Wow. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to push through this, though. The show must go on. For those of you who are on the exercise bike or you're driving, which some of you said that you were while you were listening to this, we hope that this <laughs> makes your day a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. OK, so before we get into some more uh, listener questions here, uh, you know, recently here in the last few weeks, we've had two big television finales that occurred two uh, kind of cultural phenomenons, one a comedy, one a drama, big news, two big shows ending the Big Bang Theory and Game of Thrones. Both came to an end. There is a sequel. There's going to be a sequel. It's called Game of Drones, which is going to be a whole technical thing. <laughs> Jeff Bezos is behind it. Dropping Amazon packages <laughs> from the sky. Here's your slippers you ordered. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sorry I interrupted you. I'm sorry. I won't do that again. No, that's okay. Uh, you know, there was every time a big show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Every time a big show ends, there's always speculation. Will it get big ratings? And uh, at the end of the day, Game of Thrones pulled in 19.3 million viewers. Ooh, doggies. And Big Bang Theory pulled in 18 million. And those are big numbers. But are they really big when you compare them to other finales? And the answer is no. So obviously the reason we're bringing this up is because MASH is the big granddaddy of them all. The finale of MASH brought in 106 million viewers. Holy moly. Wow. Say that again. 100 106 million viewers saw you and your feathery hair in the finale. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Off to be a pig farmer. Wow. That's right. That's right. But of course, then there were three networks. You know, now it's so segmented. You have 118 different channels on, on TV, and then you have 4,800 other streaming services putting out original content. So I don't I don't know that we're ever going to see one TV show, a non-sports related broadcast that pulls in numbers like 106 million for a finale. Yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, 106 million people and they had nothing else to do. 
And now we have so much more to do than, than we did back then. Right. 106 million people wouldn't be that focused probably ever again. No, I mean, the only broadcast that still pulls in numbers close to that and actually has beat that number is Super Bowls. Right. I mean, because everybody watches the Super Bowl, except for, you know, my daughter who watches the Puppy Bowl. But <laughs> you take sports out of the picture. I don't think there's ever going to be anything that comes close to what MASH pulled off. In fact, Ken Levine on his blog, he put out an article this week where he listed the top 10 highest rated finales. Um, so MASH is at number one. Uh, number two was Cheers with 80.4 million, which is a, still a staggering number. Number three, you go all the way back to 1967 for The Fugitive, which was 78 million people watching to see who the one-armed man was. Yeah, I was one of them. Number four was Seinfeld at 76.3 million. Number five was Friends with 52.5 million. Uh, number six, I don't know where this comes from. I never would have suspected that Magnum P.I. brought in 50.7 million people for his finale. No, that was big. The guy with the mustache. He was big. That was a big deal. It was big, but I didn't know it was that big. Yeah, it was a big mustache. Uh, the Cosby Show coming at number seven with 44 million. All in the Family at number eight with 40.2 million. Family Ties and Home Improvement rounding out the top 10. And even Home Improvement brought in 34.4 million for its finale, which is um, about twice as many as Big Bang Theory brought in for its finale and, and uh, more than Game of Thrones brought in. So it's just interesting, you know, these big finales that are out there now. And it's, it's, it's just wild to think that 18 million is now considered a, a blockbuster success for ratings when 18 million was something that MASH on its worst day was pulling in easily. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting since there's been big talk of finales uh, recently that we could just talk about the 106 million people that tuned in to watch MASH. The Cosby show would have probably had another three or 4,000 people, but uh, they were asleep, so they didn't get the... Wow! Didn't offend you in the last episode. Last episode. We're we're working hard. We're working hard. <laughs> wow. Okay. So uh, moving on. Yeah, we have a letter from Jeff Bache. Um, Jeff Bache. Thank you for writing and thank you for listening. Jeff and Ryan, I came across your podcast a few weeks ago and really enjoyed listening to them. Jeff asked what we were doing while listening to the podcast. I listen while driving to work. It has made commuting much more enjoyable. Well, thank you. That's very nice. And please drive carefully and don't do any of that texting while you're doing that. I love hearing about the behind the scenes stories from Jeff from his time on the show. Also, from your access to the writers and others who have been on the show or worked as writers. I only wish the podcast came out more frequently. But I know you are both doing this for the love of the show and have other things going on in your lives. Do you have anything else going on, Ryan? I've, uh, I've got both Dayquil and NyQuil going on right now. Yes. Yeah. Good. That's good. You need that. While doing my search for MASH podcast, I found that the MASH 4077 podcast, which you mentioned in one of your first couple of episodes, when mentioned, it was commented that your podcast was not going to be like the one that goes episode by episode. We talked about that. We weren't going to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. This is great because Jeff has the personal connection working on the show and Ryan has the love for the show. Since both podcasts are so different and wondering why the two podcasts don't mention the others to help increase listenership to both. Well, he's he's practicing to be a network executive, I think. <laughs> True fans will not drop one for the other. 
but help the fan base grow for both. Also, not sure if you know, <laughs> but in February of this year, Alan Alda had a reunion of MASH personnel on his clear and vivid podcast. Alan was joined by Jamie Farr, Mike Farrell, Loretta Swit, and Gary Berghoff. I've heard of those people. <laughs> Thanks again for a MASH-tastic podcast, and keep up the great work. Jeff Bache from Casa Grande, Arizona. First of all... Um Alan Alda has a podcast? I had no idea. I know. He has a podcast. Gee, they're popping up all over the place. You know, you start one MASH podcast, and then Alan Alda has to go and start one, too. Okay, I see how it is. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> that, the reunion episode, if you have not listened to it, you need to go check it out, because it was uh, it was really wonderful to hear all those voices um, just just telling stories and, and sharing memories, and it was it was wonderful for for mash fans as far as other mash podcasts yeah there are actually two other podcasts and i do want to give them shout outs they both do a great job of entertaining and talking about episode by episode the show that we love one is called the mash 4077 podcast kenny and meds are the hosts of that and it's been going for quite a while i forget they're up to almost 200 episodes i think now and then the other one is called Mashcast, uh, which is hosted by a guy named Rob Kelly. And he also goes episode by episode. And it's relatively new. But Rob Kelly has been uh, he had a blog for many years about Mash. And you talk about a super fan of the show. Rob Kelly is it. So Mashcast and Mash 4077 podcast. If you are a Mash fan and you want to hear episode by episode rundown of the shows, uh, go check those out. And I, I just want to say, hey, if Kenny or Meds or Rob or you're, if you're listening to this, hey, you have a standing invitation to come and uh, be guests on our show as well. Because, hey, we would love for your listeners to listen to ours. We want our listeners to listen to yours. And we'll all just be one big mash happy family. Should we give them a discount for coming on the show? Maybe like instead of a thousand, maybe 500 bucks a piece if they want to come on. They actually pay us that right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we don't pay them. No, no, no. We don't pay anybody to come on this podcast. No, no, no. no. They would, uh, but we could give them a discount because they're doing a MASH podcast. Just use the code RADAR in your checkout and uh, you'll get a 10% discount, guys. Anyway, uh, the, the invitation is out there. Please get in touch with us uh, through our website or Twitter or wherever. We'd love to have you on the show. And thank you, Jeff, for bringing that up. We really do appreciate you listening. You're welcome. Uh <laughs> Not you, the other Jeff. There's a lot of Jeffs. Too many Jeffs on this episode. Yeah. Question came in from Greg Roskowski. Yes. Hi there. I've been a fan for most of my life and I love every episode. I guess he's talking about MASH and not our podcast. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I have always wondered if anyone knows what Klinger's middle name is. In later episodes, he referred to himself as Maxwell Q. Klinger, but the Q was never revealed. And I can tell you right now, Again, after minutes of exhaustive research on Google, <laughs> it, it confirmed what I already knew anyway, and that is uh, we don't know what Q stands for. No. Q doesn't stand for anything. Q stands for whatever you want it to. I, I don't know. Quintavious. I don't know. Q-tip. Could be Q-tip. Or Q <laughs> Maxwell Q-tip Klinger. Right. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Uh, Quincy. Maybe he was a big fan of the Jack Klugman TV show. Anyway, uh, there is no definitive answer. Now, there is, however, a theory out there. Oh. I don't know if there's any truth to it whatsoever. It was probably manufactured by a fan, and then it was taken as uh, historical fact. The, the theory is that Klinger 
The character was originally written as kind of more of a flamboyant, uh, effeminate homosexual, but it didn't fly with test audiences. So instead, they decided to portray him as a heterosexual who liked to dress in women's clothing to try to get out of the army. So there's a theory that the word Q stands for queer. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming, everybody. And <laughs> Good night. Now, again. Lock up when you're through, Ryan. <laughs> this, to me, sounds like a theory that is ludicrous. For the Q to stand for something that was a possibility that it was uh, linked to the character in the very early stages of the series, for that to come back later in the, in the show as uh, the basis for his middle name, just to me, Sounds preposterous. Yeah, I, I agree with you, uh, Ryan Patrick. I think that's a very goofy, ridiculous, preposterous theory. Absolutely not true. It could just be like a Harry S. Truman. And maybe, you know, Harry S. Truman's middle name was S. It didn't stand for anything. The S was his middle name. Yeah. So maybe Maxwell Q. Klinger, maybe Q is his middle name. Moving right along. Uh, <clears throat> Wait, are you supposed to take Dayquil and Nyquil at the same time? Because I've been doing like a double shot of them. Is that is that bad? Let me know how it works out because I have a couple of bottles here. I will join you. I can taste colors right now. Yes. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> Laura Olivieri. Yes. I just like saying a Laura Olivieri. <laughs> Laura Olivieri. I said that before, but it's true. I just like saying she wrote. I think we talked uh, with her last week and answered a question, but I have to answer this question, too. Uh, she said, I would love to hear more about Jeff's own cooking skills. She asked other stuff, too, but I don't care about that. <laughs> but I will answer to this part. You know, Laura, I like to cook. And the reason I like to cook is because I like to eat. I always have liked to eat. And so in order to eat what I want to eat and love to eat, I had to learn how to cook it. And so I'm, and by the way, I'm a huge barbecue fanatic. I have a fancy bunch of barbecues and I do that, you know, uh, low heat, long uh, smoking kind of thing. And I love to smoke ribs and briskets and all those delicious meats. Not a lot because it's not all that healthy to eat all that meat every day. But on the weekends, I go crazy and my wife and I actually enjoy it. And so I, I cook a lot of uh, barbecue stuff. And during the week, uh, I love salmon. So I cook a lot of salmon and do that. But so I do like to cook. The, re the, the reality is, and honestly, part of the process of going through the Igor part, I did get involved in food. And then eventually wrote the cookbook, Secrets of the Mash Master Loss Recipes, Private Igor. But I did that because I kind of got hooked on the food idea. I was dealing with it every time I showed up on MASH, almost. And so I do. I cook and enjoy it. And so, hey, everybody come on over for dinner. I'll cook ribs. Should we bring anything? Should we bring like a casserole, a side dish? Well, uh, it, you know? as soon as the thing clears up, you can come, Ryan, before oh, okay. I just stay home. I'm not invited. Okay. Well, I mean, All right. You know, no, I'm used to that. I'm used to that. People don't invite me to parties. It's OK. Well, when you when you clear up, when the snot goes away, you're in. <laughs> now, let me tell you, I don't like going to parties, so I'm OK with not being invited to parties. So it's it's OK. Well, that's no. Wait a minute. Why, what is it about a party that's not good? Well, I'm not a party guy. I'm a deep, deep introvert. So when I go to parties, I find a corner and I sit in that corner mm -hmm. with a scowl on my face so that nobody approaches me <laughs> for small talk. And then at the end of the night, I go home. And that's my favorite time of the party is, is leaving the party. 
Yeah, that's that's me and parties. I don't like to throw them. I don't like to organize them. And I certainly don't like going to them. Well, I, I get it. I, I get it. I, I experienced that in part of my life. I was kind of the same way. And then something happened and I kind of got excited about going to them because I, I learned that you... If you go to the right party, you get free food. Ah, some of it's really good. Now, I eat at parties. I will eat. Yes. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. All right. In fact, that's really the only reason I would go to a party is because of, you know, the food. It's free. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Unless I have to bring something. I used to go to Academy Award kind of parties that friends would have. And it was kind of a tradition. This This couple would have this Academy Award party, every Academy Award. So... I went and we were all friends and it was a group of about eight or 10 people, very good people, good friends. And my friend who was hosting the party would make chicken. That was his thing. He would make chicken for everybody. And then he said to me one day, because I make chili and I love making chili. I love eating chili. He said, hey, Jeff, would you mind bringing some chili? I know it's supposed to be really good. Would you? Oh, no, I'll be happy to bring the chili. That's okay. Great. Eight years I brought chili. I had to make chili every single year. And the party got bigger and bigger. So it went from a couple of little pints to a huge, you know, bucket that I had to pull in with the chili. But everybody loved the chili. So now is this the gas passer chili? That's the recipe that's in your book? It is indeed the gas passer chili. Yes. Well, we might have to add that recipe to our recipe link on our website. Would you be okay with that? I would be okay with it. One thing I will say about it is chili is kind of a free for all. So there is a (laughs) recipe for the chili, but when you make it, you really kind of also want to throw in whatever you feel like throwing in as well. So don't be limited. The chili recipe in there is kind of a starting off place. But if you want to throw in another can of, uh, you know, sauce and a couple of frogs or something that you've got in your cupboard, that's true, too, because chili is something that was, uh, you know, they did out in the West and they threw whatever they had on the cattle drives into the pot. Mm-hmm. And so anything you feel like throwing in there, go ahead and throw it in there. But anyway, yeah, that's a gas passer chili. It's really good. Though. All right. Well, you can find the recipe to gas passer chili at mashmatterspodcast.com. Just look for the recipes link and uh, let us know uh, what you threw in. Let us know what extra ingredients you threw into the gas passer chili or how much gas you passed after eating the gas passer chili. All right. So speaking of parties, Derek Wade, back a while back on Facebook, he posted, please work with Jeff and his connections to make this possible. For MASH's 50th anniversary, Yes, we should hold an event. All right. And that event should be at the Pierre Hotel in New York, which is where BJ had all of the parents and family of the characters gather in the episode, The Party, and then have as many of the MASH cast come and celebrate with us. He says that's going to be in 2022, but he wants to plant the seed. Thank you. And please continue the podcast. So Derek is saying that we should organize a big 50th anniversary party at the Pierre Hotel in New York. I don't even know if the Pierre Hotel in New York is still a thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I don't know. Do we have to put a deposit down now uh, for 2022? Do we need to go ahead and secure a caterer for something like that? Or will you just make your chili? (laughs) I'll be happy. I'll make the chili. Okay, that's what we'll do. I'll make chili and cream of weenie soup. Ah, yes. And that'll be what we all eat. That's it. I mean, if or <laughs> Ryan, if you want to bring something, you know, you can. <laughs> I'll stop by the store. But uh, you can't sit in the corner and scowl. You have to participate because this is the 
50th anniversary. So it is a party. So you'll have to come out of your shell. All right. If I have to. Yeah. We should look up the, that hotel. I have no idea where that hotel exists. I just did. I have 30 more seconds of exhaustive research here has shown me that the Pierre Hotel in New York City is still open, actually. Yes. Oh, okay. Let's see. We can get a room right now for $396 a night. Wow. Uh, but if you use the code word radar at checkout, um, you'll still pay $396 a night. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So we'll look into that, Derek. We'll see if we can uh, if we can get some dates uh, solidified for that. But uh, don't put anything on your calendar just yet. We are taking deposits, however. So if you want to send in three or $4,000 to help <laughs> fund this, we'll be happy to, to uh, make that happen. Go ahead and read another letter from one of our listeners. All right. From James Bryant Jr. Hi, James. Thanks for listening. James says, I am a retired Army officer. Well, thank you for your service. With 28 years of service. Well, thanks again for your service. You and Jeff have talked several times about why MASH matters to folks. As I listen to your show, I think about that question often. Thank you. The show is twofold for me. I think the show is produced so well. The reruns are not outdated. I really believe the show has aged gracefully. I hope I've aged as gracefully as well. Also, when I watch today, it brings me back when I was a kid. I started school in 74 and grew up in Radford, Virginia. In those days, we had the big three networks, and my parents always watched CBS. My life feels like it's flying by. Oh, gosh. And when I hear or see MASH on today, it makes me smile from days of yesteryear. Again, keep up the great work. Well, that's. Pretty cool, James. Thank you very much for saying that. That's really neat. Yeah. You know, it is such an emotional issue. Um, all these shows, you know, even going back to Game of Thrones, it, it you know, st stirred up so much emotion with people and we're so connected to it. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, I think MASH is, was really a, a cut above that in terms of the emotional connection because it's always connected to family and Yes. Uh, it's, it's amazing to hear these, these, uh, these statements. So Yeah, we had a similar letter come in from uh, Gregory Tressel on Facebook. He said, MASH came on Monday nights at 9 o'clock when I was a kid. My parents let me stay up to watch, so my father and I watched every episode together. What a memory for me. Now to relive those memories on the MASH podcast is amazing. Thank you. And thank you, Gregory. Yeah, we love hearing these stories. We absolutely do. Because it, it, it really does resonate with people on a whole different level. This is not... I don't think people are getting the same feeling watching reruns of BJ and the Bear, you know? <laughs> or that guy with a mustache. Who was that guy? <laughs> the big mustache. You know what they say about a big mustache. So anyway, James, uh, thanks for writing in to say that. And we will keep up the good work. Thank you. And keep listening. Yes. We appreciate it. So we had a question come in also from Jack Layer. His question says, hey, guys, love MASH. Love the podcast. Hope you can help clear up a longstanding question of mine. In the course of two seasons, we lose Henry Blake, who was married and unfaithful, Trapper John, who was married and unfaithful, and Frank Burns, who was married and unfaithful. And we gained Sherman Potter, who was married and faithful, BJ Honeycutt, who was married and basically faithful, and Charles Winchester, who was single and basically celibate. He says, I understand Stevenson, Rogers, and Linville left on their own accord, but why the change in character morals? Did the cheating not play well with the audiences? Uh, Jack, that's a deep, deep question. And I know it's certainly above my pay grade. So, uh, Jeff, you reached out to somebody. I did. I reached out to one of the writers, Mr. Dan Wilcox, who has been on uh, MASH Matters. 
as a guest, and we really appreciated that. And I reached out to him, and I asked him Jack Layer's question, and he said, please leave me alone and don't ever call again. Um, but after that, <laughs> I did some other research and decided to just make up an answer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is from, from Dan Wilcox. I actually had a problem with the printer, so forgive me. I'm going to try and piece this together as oh. I can. <laughs> anyway, Dan says, I was on MASH for seasons 8, 9, 10, and 11. By the time my group checked into the writing room, all those character replacements had already taken place. So I don't really know exactly why those decisions were made. But during the four years I spent on MASH, we limed out our characters based on what felt right, not what we thought the audience would approve of. So to heck with the audience, we're going to do what we want to do and not what the audience wants to do. <laughs> I guess the changes came into being because the horny, unfaithful married men jokes has gotten stale. You know, Ryan, when we started this, we weren't using words like horny and stuff. We, we weren't. I don't know what's happened. It's really gone downhill. Yeah quickly. Uh, okay. I guess the changes came into being because the horny, unfaithful married men jokes had gotten stale. The series did 11 seasons of stories with no repeats. Come on, that's big stuff. One of the advantages of adding new characters to a series is that they can take you into stories that wouldn't have fit the old characters. Making those three new characters really different from the departing ones has to have helped us get all the way to 11 years. So that's certainly a statement. So adding more characters is going to help new stories and help the, uh, the stories be interesting enough to have a series survive. Now, the last paragraph is what I'm having problems with because it didn't print very correctly. I can read it if you want me to. Can you read it? Yeah, I, I literally I can't read uh, Dan, Dan also writes, also, there was a feminism underlying the show that I felt got stronger in later years. If Hawkeye was flirting with a nurse, we were encouraged to make the woman an equal partner in the scene. If we gave Hawkeye a funny come on, we'd give the nurse a worthy response. We were also encouraged to write for Margaret with some care, not just to make her the butt of easy jokes, but to give her real human interactions, particularly with Hawkeye and BJ. He says, that's about all the light I have to shed on this corner of our storytelling. I hope it helps. And yes, Dan, it helps tremendously. Thank you, Dan Wilcox. That's really cool that he did that for us. It's very cool. And, you know, uh, I think that uh, the issues of character development and stuff, uh, we think we've talked about it before and we'll probably talk about it much more. And where we have some of our uh, other cast members on, they're going to talk about it as well. But I think that when a, an actor gets to a point and suggests to the writers that they want some uh, maturity in the character. Uh, the writers have to take that in and say, hey, this is the actor. We have to listen to it. Uh, writers probably don't always necessarily agree with it because sometimes actors have one perspective and that may not be a perspective that helps develop stories for that character. And a writer is very concerned with constantly developing stories for that character. And so sometimes the goofier the character is or the meaner he is or she is, the easier it is to write uh, and to write jokes because it's just the way it is. But when people say, well, I want the maturity to show up, I want the character to grow, 
probably, and again, I'm, I did not write the show, so writers would have to say yes or no, but probably they're going, oh, okay, I got to mature the character. Oh, yeah, but it's so funny when they so-and-so. But because the show is successful and actors have a big uh, investment in it, everybody has to get along and figure out how to navigate that. So there have been times where certain actors, I think, have been talked about uh, being problems or being trouble or uh, doing things that weren't always that appreciated by people. The reality behind that is they're just trying to be true to who they feel, feel the character is and what they'd like to see it evolve into. And everybody kind of wants to grow and everybody kind of wants to be okay within that character. So it's got to happen. People just grow. Characters should grow. And, and, and writers have to kind of, you know, get behind it and support it. And uh, they do, hopefully. And when they do, things happen. And like Dan says, hey, it was on the, sh on the air for 11 years and probably could have gone for another four years, even so. So anyway, that's all I have to say. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. I dozed off. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> the NyQuil, the NyQuil kicked in and I, uh, I lost consciousness there for a moment. Is this thing on? Hello. Hello. Testing one, two, testing one, two. Well, I think we should wrap this up, uh, so I can go do a steam bath <laughs> and, um, thank you for writing in. You can reach us through our website, email us at mashmatterspodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and uh, thank you to everybody who's written in. We still have a lot of questions we haven't gotten to. We've had uh, a lot of people write in. We want to give out some shout outs to Charlene Christian and uh, Dennis Garcia and Samantha Orchard and Darren from Down Under. They all wrote in and uh, with some, some nice words and comments. Thank you so much for that. Before we get out of here, though, two things. One, Jeff. Yes. Are you ready yet to talk about the infamous Johnny Hamer voiceover incident? No. Okay. All right. So to be continued. But. <laughs> yes. But having said no. I will say now, with all sincerity, I will reveal what that was all about, and it will be interesting when I do it. I will reveal it with 100% honesty, sincerity, and accuracy on episode 28 of MASH Matters. <laughs> so episode 28, I will reveal what happened in that scene, and you people will be absolutely flabbergasted you will be <laughs> gob smacked i've got a gob that needs to be smacked so i'm ready you've got a lot of gob <laughs> my gob yeah. needs to be smacked out of my head right now so now the other thing is to close in the last episode we put the call out to listeners to give us suggestions for our sign off and we had several come in Ken Williamson suggested that we take a page from Five O'Clock Charlie and close with, so as he flies the blue lady of the sky into the sunset, we say aloha, Five O'Clock Charlie, and return to our duties. Let me remind you that the podcast is open 24 hours for your dining and dancing pleasure. Thank you, Ken. Good suggestion, but man, that's a mouthful. So I don't know that uh, I will be able, especially if I have uh, a lot of phlegm, I won't be able to get through that. Butch Newton says, until next time, be brave, be loyal, be true, and keep your white flags handy, just in case. <laughs> uh, Christopher Mincer on Twitter, he suggested one that is actually one of my favorite Henry Blake sayings. It's a toast that Henry does in one of the episodes. 
He says, until next time, here's looking up your old address. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah, I love I that. Too. Thank that's you, Christopher. One. That's that's in the running. And then we had two suggest uh, Danelle White and Donna LaRose both suggested bye bye and bye bonds, which was attributed to Colonel Potter in the episode. But I attribute that to Jack Benny back on his program when he would sign off his his radio program he would say bye bye and bye bonds so and then the one we got the most suggestions on uh james bryant jr butch newton jack layer they all wrote in and said hey obviously your sign off should be goodbye farewell and amen it's hard to argue with that so i i i i, I bring this up to you jeff do we have a definitive answer here or should we narrow this down to a couple and maybe put it to a vote? What What are your thoughts? Boy, this is tough. You know, perhaps we should sing Bye Bye Birdie. Bye Bye Birdie. <laughs> and just go to silence. That's just a, a suggestion. I don't, we don't have to do it. See, and with the state of my head and being all NyQuilled up, yeah. I'm not sure if I just imagined that you sang Bye Bye Birdie right now or if you really did it. I have no idea. <laughs> you are very sick and you're living in Thailand and you don't have anything else to do except wake up and get some pad thai. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, why don't, okay, well, we could try, you know, again, I think I said this last time and, and I repeat myself as often as I can, because I don't remember what I said before. So I just watched the entire um, Sopranos. What is it? Binge watch. Yes. The whole darn thing. So again, I'm very fascinated with how they ended that where they just went to black. There wasn't any goodbye. They didn't show them shot. They didn't do any. They just went click and turned the light switch off. I, I find that fascinating. I guess that's not appropriate for MASH Manners. However. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after all, we're not mafia dons or mafia bosses, are we? And not yet. Well, at least you're not. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe that's the out. Maybe it's and so, my friends, thank you for listening to Mash Matters. And <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, I tell you what, the two that I like the most, I do like Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen. Yeah. And I do have a soft place in my heart, too, for until next time, here's looking up your old address. Right. And I know right now people are listening going, please, for God's sake, pick one and close the dad gun. Close this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. You know, the guy who was driving his car and listening to the podcast, you know, and it made the, the traffic munchie, he's probably run the car right into the side of a gas station. <laughs> he probably ran it into the side of a McDonald's and please stop it. <laughs> Take me away. <laughs> All right. Well, I tell you what. You do one, I'll do the other. Okay. We're going to workshop this and see how it sounds. So are we ready? Yeah, I'll take Blake's. Yeah. Right, here we go. All right. Until next time, here's looking up your old address. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. I'm adding a lot of silence here now for the Sopranos fans. <laughs>